0: If you want to talk about a bill that you think helps workers, you go to a place where there are workers and you have them stand nearby and you talk about your bill. If you want to talk about a proposal you have that you think is good for education, then you go to a school and you bring out some students and they stand around you and you talk about your proposal. Well, if you have something to say about the kingdom of God and its inclusive nature, then you go and you find some people that you think are included in the kingdom of God and you you stand with them and they stand with you and you speak about the things that matter, the ways that they too are part of this kingdom. You, you put beside you the sick. Those who are afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, and paralytics. And with that crowd around you, you start to talk. You start to teach. You start to say what the kingdom of God looks like, how it values the unvalued, how those who live in the kingdom of God Live. You start to show that in the kingdom of God, blessings are for everyone, not just for the select few who seem to be blessed. Before Jesus climbed up on the mountain to deliver that famous sermon, he gathered around him a powerful backdrop. Only those people weren't props. For his speech. These were the very people he came to initiate the kingdom of God among. He ministered to these people, he cared for these people. Jesus made the invisible visible, he showed that they mattered to him and to his people, even if they mattered to no one else. As I'm reading today's gospel lesson, I want you to hold in your mind's eye a backdrop. I want you to see who is gathered around Jesus when he begins his sermon on the Mount. I want you to see sick people over there, diseased people. Over there, people in pain staring at you. People have demons and epilepsy right by this pulpit. Paralyzed people. down front. See who Jesus saw. Now hear the word of the Lord. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, and paralytics, And he cured them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When we see the people Jesus attracted around him, the people he was busy healing, standing nearby, these Beatitudes start to sound a little different. They aren't just for cross-stitching anymore. With these persons as a backdrop, something in us longs to help. We look at these poor people, these mourning people, these meek and hungry and thirsty people, and we want to do something. That's good. I think Jesus made the invisible visible because seeing need, not just talking about need, stirs compassion in us. It's easy for us to disparage those we know little about. It's much more difficult for us to speak ill of those we know and love. God commanded you to love your neighbor as yourself. It helps to know your neighbor. God commanded you at another time to love the alien as yourself. It helps to know the alien. Jesus summarized the law of God in two ways. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. We know that. We talk about that. We know that it's just one of many teachings from Jesus to talk about the need to care for others, that it is part of our Duty as His followers to care for others, especially those who aren't cared for enough. We know that. What we don't recognize enough, however, is that to love others, to love neighbors, to love aliens as ourselves, we need to love ourselves. We won't do very well trying to love others if we have yet to learn how to love ourselves. We won't do very well trying to be a blessing to others if we've yet to recognize how we are blessed. Too often I think we've learned to turn these beatitudes into mandates. Like we're supposed to be merciful in order to be blessed. That we are supposed to, to be peacemakers that we can force God To bless us. I think if we listen to Jesus' words more carefully, we realize it's not a cause and effect relationship. We start to notice that Jesus doesn't say, blessed are you when you. Or or even, blessed are they when you. Jesus says, blessed are. The blessed simply are blessed. Jesus is proclaiming it. He's calling it into reality. As in creation, when God said, let there be light, and there was, Jesus is declaring, they are blessed. And they are. We are. It's part of God's nature to bless. The word often translated as blessed comes from a Greek word, makarios. It's a difficult word to define. You, you may see it in your Bible sometimes as blessed. You may see it occasionally as fortunate. Sometimes your Bible will say happy. It's not a word that directly translates into English. It's hard to get a handle on. David Loes is a professor, a preaching professor up at Luther Seminary in Minnesota. And he says this is so difficult to define. He likes to think about what it means or what it feels like to be blessed. He said to be blessed feels like you have someone's unconditional regard. It feels like you are not and you will not be alone. Like you will be accompanied. Wherever you go. Being blessed feels like you have the capacity to rise above your present circumstances. Like you are more than the sum of your parts or your past. Being blessed feels like you have worth. Not because of something you did or might do. But simply because of who you are. Clearly, Jesus' teachings are about something deeper than happiness, at least the way we use the word. This happiness, this blessedness, comes as a gift, not from gifts. It's lasting, not a temporary feeling. This blessedness comes as you become more and more aware that you are loved by God regardless of your circumstances, your present condition, whatever it may be, your present condition is not an indication of whether or not God loves you. Poor or rich, hungry or well-fed, mourning or celebrating, you are loved, always loved, you are blessed, always blessed. So you scan this backdrop of people that Jesus had gathered around him when he started his sermon on the speech. These people paraded before you, the poor, the mourning, the meek, the hungry, the thirsty. You look up here at these people who are blessed regardless of their circumstances, and you feel compelled, compelled to love them because now you see them. They're no longer invisible to you. The interesting thing is that they've begun to see you too. In fact, they've left this area. And they've come to sit beside you. Those blessed people aren't stage props anymore. they no longer flank like characters at a fundraising event. They've left this area and they've come beside you. and, And this time they've come to share with you news that you thought you were meant to share with them. They turn to you and say, you are blessed. And that makes you squirm. Because you are still learning to love yourself. No, you say, Jesus meant you, I'm not worthy. You are blessed. These poor and mourning people say to you. Really, my life's too good. I can't possibly be who Jesus meant. You are blessed. But you don't know how much I sin. You don't know what I think. You don't know what I do when no one else is looking. You are blessed. God doesn't just love me. Oh, He loves me. But He loves you too. He has regard for you. God will never leave you. You are blessed. The thing is, you can't love me as you love yourself until you love yourself. You can't see that I'm blessed until you see that you are. Well, try as you might, you can't convince them to stop telling you you're blessed. The very same people that you want to bless won't stop blessing you because they realize that they aren't any more worthy than you just as you aren't any more worthy than them. It starts to be clear. Jesus isn't holding out a reward for the best among you or the poorest among you or the thirstiest among you. I'll bless those people He's not lifting up a segment of society that you need to become like. I will bless them if you become more like them. Jesus is holding out a simple truth. You're blessed. You are a child of God. You are blessed. Poor, rich, grieving or not, meek and bold, hungry and well fed, you are children of God. You're blessed. Your clothes are tattered. God loves you. Your clothes are ridiculously expensive. God loves you. You don't have enough to eat. God loves you. You eat too much. God loves you. God's love is not based on what you do or or don't do. And His love can't be calculated in terms of what you have or don't have. Until you get that down, the teachings that follow, the teachings that have to do with what we're to do and not to do, well, you won't quite get them. You'll be looking to earn a blessing that's already been given. You'll struggle to love others because you haven't quite learned to love yourself. Now, there's plenty that you can do for the poor. In the morning and the hungry and the thirsty, the gospel will spend plenty of time pointing you to that. The rest of the Sermon on the Mount is as demanding as you can handle. You will spend the rest of your blessed life trying to live into the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount. It will call you to reach into the very lives that Jesus has just made visible. There'll be plenty of chances to respond to those needs. Don't worry. But your response will be so much better if it comes from a place of love. If you've learned to love yourself in a way that will enable you to love others. Jesus and His church will give you plenty to do. We're giving you an opportunity to feed the hungry right after this service. There's always more you can do. But even before that, The first thing you can do for those who are in need is to recognize that both you and they are blessed because both you and they are loved by God. Everything that Jesus will teach you going forward is rooted in that. Everything that Jesus will ask of you going forward is rooted in that. They are blessed. So are you. Thanks be to God. Amen.